Welcome to the fourth episode of 13 Ways to Lead with your host, the 13th Command Chief of the Air National Guard, Chief Master Sergeant Maurice Williams. Our featured guest today is Senior Master Sergeant Javier Sosa from the 152nd Airlift Wing. I'm Master Sergeant Eric Gallion, and today's topic is all about leading by being credible. 80% of leaders' ability is measured by his or her education, training, and experience, or ETE. The other 20% is a leader's ability to influence and inspire. Ability, along with ETE, equals 100% credibility and effective leadership. Chief, the floor is yours. Hey, well, thank you, uh, everyone, for coming in this morning. Uh, I would like to uh, start off with uh, with uh, Senior Master Javier Sosa to introduce himself. He's from the 152nd Airlift Wing out of the state of Nevada. So I'll let you go ahead and tell a little bit about yourself. Thank you for this opportunity, Chief, um, to tell my story. So a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Uh, always been a fine arts major through high school. Um, decided that um, I wanted to branch out to other uh, specters in my life, so decided to go into the customer service. I've worked with the Walt Disney World Company, uh, as well as as a hotel manager with the Las Vegas Hilton. So typically throughout my life, I've been dealing with customer service. Uh, I felt that there was a need, so I decided to join the military at a later part of my life. And ever since then, I've been 15 years in the military, 2SO, logistics by trait, ventured off to some additional professional development opportunities, uh, on a guard for 10 years, as well as an enlisted aide, and now a first sergeant. So very blessed with my career right now. All right, very good, very good. Well, now, you know, uh, I'm originally from North Carolina, so, you know, I got that slow southern draw, so being from the Bronx, you know, you're going to have to slow it down for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but seem like you curtail that accent a little bit, you know. Very diverse background that you're speaking of, you know. Uh, so how was that experience for you as an enlisted aide? It, it was tough, Chief. Um, I was enlisted aide to a command sergeant major, so mm. um, dealing with the Army is a little bit different. It was rough for the first six months, but after that, you start building a relationship. Uh, you start building that trust that we're there to give the command sergeant major support and to be able to make sure that um, with that, the mission is accomplished and that he has everything he needed to be successful. Right. So, you know, uh, you mentioned about, you know, building that trust, making sure that he's comfortable. Uh, that's kind of, you know, the day that we're talking about, hey, leading by being credible. So you was trying to build that credibility up with the sergeant major based on your position, because at that time, different different components. Correct. Correct, sir. So I know that was a struggle in trying to get that credibility to where it needs to be with him being Army, you being Air Force. Uh, different cultures, different environment, you know, and uh, being Sergeant Majors, you know, I always say, hey, Sergeant Major, walk in the room, even Command Chief, walk in the room, hey, you should make the contract crack based on your presence. So that's good. So how did you kind of uh, eventually build that trust and that, I would say, trust and credibility with him as enlisted aide, or did you reach that point? I did, um, Chief. So, it, it took a, it took a, one of those days where um, I overslept, you know, and the, the command sergeant major is waiting downstairs. So I, I knew that either I was going to get uh, chewed out or my my job was done. 
But that um, he, he actually didn't speak to me for a good two hours, you know, going from here to the airport. Right. Um, but at that point, I, I learned from a mistake and I just I reached out to him and said, hey, what do I need to do? What do we need to do this better? Right. It's my first TDY with you. Um, anxieties are high. You know, we tend to forget that when we put airmen in situations or airmen, give airmen opportunities. Right. Uh, that we think that because of their jobs and their persona, that they're going to be okay. But sometimes we have to be able to uh, mentor them and, and, and tell them the expectations of, hey, you know, you, your, your anxiety is pretty high today. You know, you're probably going to overslept. So it's important that you set your alarm. Do you need support? So when we got back home, I, I, I sat down with him and of course I apologized. And I said, you know what? I was very transparent. Um, anxiety was high. I've never done this before. By the time I put my head down on my bed, I was passed out. It'll never happen again. And at that point, we started building a relationship. Um, there were days when I would leave him and the elevator's closing. He's just looking at me, shaking his head. And, you know, it's like a slow movie. The elevator right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I just want to go home. You know, I got Sato on speed dial, uh, ready to go. But again, that just built a fantastic relationship and um, by far one of the best command sergeant majors I've ever worked with. Based on that experience, and now that you are a first sergeant, as you reflect on that, the person that who's a comforter, the person who balances that scale between the mission and people, but still as a new first sergeant command, in anyone, you got to build that credibility, that trust within that environment to get to that point. So as a first sergeant, based on your experience, how, how did you do that? You know, it, it's tough. Uh, being a first sergeant is, is, is not an easy job, um, especially as, as DSGs. We already have rapport with already with our units, whether you be a port dog or security forces or even logistics, right? You already have that rapport and you, and you work with these people on a daily basis, right? So then when you put on the diamond, it changes a bit. Uh, expectations are higher. I have made an, a conscious effort to stay true to who I am. There's this persona that first sergeants are straight out of the PDG, right? That we can't make mistakes and we can't have a string in our uniform or, you know, we just, uh, we're just like that perfect. But you know what? I think that uh, one, that mistakes are a stigma that we need to get away from, mm -hmm. right? I think that mistakes uh, allow us to build as people and show our airmen that it is okay. It's not that it's not the end all. So in my position, it, you know, I just happened to get on a temp AGR tour, still doing my DSG job because mm -hmm. the mission has to be, um, still has to go on, right? But it's definitely tough. So we, we just have to be able to be transparent and, and real with our airmen, right? right? And have those conversations that, um, you know, um, I have made mistakes in my life. I will continue to make mistakes. I will own up to them. And I will continue to grow from them. Right, right. And I, and, and then you hit on a great thing there because based on sometime when you're in positions, people think that you're not human. And so many times uh, I can say for myself, I'm out and they say, oh, man, you're so down to earth. Yeah, I am. I've been here the entire time, you know, and approachable. So that creates an environment again. You mentioned uh, that you're a drill status guard, a DSG, or traditional, as some folks say. What do you do on the civilian sector when not on this temp AGR? Well, Chief, I'm actually a technician. Within the 2S career fold, I am the unit training manager, as well as the unit deployment manager, as well as the readiness monitor. So, jack of all trades. Okay, you're doing it all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. It's a lot of exposure. 
It is, you know, and it's deployment season, right? So um, I've been a UDM for a couple of years. I'm pretty good at what I do. And uh, for the first time, and well, actually for the first time, I had made a mistake as a UDM. And I just, I don't know, I don't know what happened. It's one of those things, right? Uh, just forgot paperwork. And uh, I'm sitting there like, how did I make this mistake, right? Am I too task saturated? Uh, do I have support? Is there a checks and balances in place? I'm not one of those airmen that just go, well, it's a mistake. I'm going to continue on my way and stuff like that. Um, it really took me to heart. And I, and it took a couple of days for me to realize the why. Right? Mm-hmm. Why did I take this to heart? And it's because of the airmen. Right. I, I was put in a position to make sure that those airmen um, take away the diamond. Just as a person, as a human being, um, that those airmen entrusted that I would take care of them. You know, and then when I found out that I missed documentation, this and this could affect the mission. Yeah, I, I lost a couple hours of sleep. You know, and that's just how I am. Right, right, and that you know, it really hits the point home when I'm out there talking to first sergeants or commanders. Always talk about the triad. You know, within that community, within a squadron, within a flight, that you have the commander, you have the senior enlisted leader, and you have a first sergeant. And I always use the example of three C's. I use the C for the commander as being committed, and then the C for the senior enlisted as being most competent person, and then the C for the first sergeant for character. And just I think you hit that point based on, hey, you wouldn't be able to sleep if you didn't you know, do the right thing and make sure the ambulance take through. That's the character that you build and that you should have in that position. And I think all of that creates a good cultural environment, you know, that we all can thrive on and also the organization can thrive on is we keep that culture there. But it's challenging. So when have the last time you've been on deployment? Oh, chief, it's been a long time. The last time I deployed, I was a supply. Right. I think that in order to deploy, you have to be well in mind because of my family and stuff mm-hmm. like that and my young son i haven't had the opportunity right, right? right. you know so as I'm, I'm navigating my son through some challenging times it's important right if i can't make sure that my family's taken care of at home i can't take care of my family overseas in a deployed location right 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 that's very understandable understandable now the last time you deployed were you at a supervision level uh when you deployed Oh, no, Chief. I was just a, a mere staff sergeant. Okay. Staff. Well, you just, was you wasn't just a mere staff sergeant. You was a staff sergeant. You was airman. Actually, I think I was a senior airman. Okay. I was a senior airman. Um, first deployment. I, I remember that I, I had a calendar in my door just marking the days. Yeah, that's most people now. Now people use uh, their phones and uh, their computer with the day counter down on it. Yeah, Uh, it it was it was great. I think that I have been blessed not with deployments, but uh, a lot of uh, professional development opportunities Mm -hmm. um, that has uh, I want to say filled the void and has made me uh, the senior NCO that I am today. Right, right. Well, that's good. You know, uh, one of the things uh, I always talk about in like you mentioned, building you as an NCO you are today is as we look at our education, training, and experience that we maximize in all of those levels because that way we have invested something ourselves and we can be able to invest in those airmen to help them grow. But, you know, those things. But it's always, you know, it's about people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we're talking about credibility and being credible, from your vantage point, what, what does credibility mean to you? To me is 
owning up, right? Uh, you set yourself up in a position where, I don't want to say the word tested, but you're given an opportunity, right, to excel in a project or whatever, right? You're given that opportunity and, and you have complete ownership of that. Um, but with that ownership comes the ability to say you make, made a mistake, uh, the ability to grow from that and to excel and to be the sharer of information, right? I think that times that we are put in positions where we take control of projects, right? It's like a million dollars. We don't want to share it, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's important to me, credibility is uh, being able to to thrive in something and be able to uh, make mistakes, take ownership and be able to share the information. Now, based on uh, if you look back the last five years, let's go back about five years, uh, have you seen a situation within uh, a section, group, or unit where someone has come in and had established credibility but lost that credibility and seen how it was a challenge for them to build it back or uh, people accepted the the fault of the person in that situation that you can remember? Hmm. Uh, I haven't. I think that a lot of and what you're asking has been people that are not part of the service anymore mm-hmm. or not part of the unit. When you talk about credibility, especially with our younger airmen, right? When you have, you know, a senior NCOs or even NCOs, we have the ability to um, influence, right? Um, mm-hmm. And to nurture our airmen. And it, it breaks my heart when we have someone that has been in such a position of of influence and greatness within organization and something happens right um that's unfortunate and then we don't see it but our airmen are hurting because they aspire to be that person and unfortunately something happened right whether you know that member made a poor choice or something like that so it's um you know as as other airmen, we back each other up. and But yeah, that's that's the only thing I've really seen. I've been fortunate enough that the people within our organization, again, make mistakes, but they're not to the point where uh, they lose their credibility, right? I think they do a really good job of owning up to their mistakes and being transparent with our airmen. Right, right, right. You know, uh, when you attended the first sergeant candidate, was that a item that uh, they spoke about was credibility, as you can remember, doing the curriculum? Well, Chief, when I went through the first Sergeant Academy, I think I was in the hybrid course. Actually, I was in okay, the hybrid course. Yeah. I was at two weeks home and then two right, weeks at the right, Academy, okay, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't remember. It's been a, a hot minute since I've mm-hmm. been through the Academy. But I will tell you that what you learn in the Academy is nothing compared to what's out on the field. I try to surround myself with people that I don't, that don't think that me. I want someone that is going to challenge my thought of thinking and not be afraid to tell me when I'm wrong. Those kind of skills you learn in the field, but you got to find the right person. Right. You know, your right. right grouping. You got to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, share a different perspective. That's how we grow. You know, that's that's how we u- utilize. We talk about uh, diversity and inclusion. And that's when you, uh, a diverse group of people, really help build things, diversity of style, and help things grow. But being inclusive is you got to include it, you know. So I like that comment that you made, hey, that's what you want around you, and that's what helps uh, build and make you better as an individual because that's that's what we all need. We need that different uh, thought. It just uh, one of the things I always talk about is, um, hey, let's – Let's fuss and cuss. We'll be respectful about it, but you always should give, you know, you give a rebuttal on something. Hey, always have the solution to address that rebuttal 
to have a solution on the end. Don't just don't complain. You know, everybody can just uh, complain, but hey, have a solution in your back pocket that when you have a rebuttal on something. Mm-hmm. So it always helps in that particular area. So there's one thing that you mentioned um, when you came out to visit the unit and you talked about the why. Right. Right. So as a hobby of mine, I teach marching band, right? Uh, high school kids. We always ask young adults to, to do things, right? But we never take the time to uh, talk about the why, right? And how the why impacts them is going to make them a better person, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, ever since then, I, I asked that question, well, why are we doing this? What's what's the end result, right? Um, so I want to thank you for that because right. I have been able to have those conversations with my students, you know, and really explain, especially when you're dealing with high school kids, you got to break right. it down a little bit more, right. you know? But um, yes, I, I think that... Um, Never thought of things like that, right? We mm-hmm. always ask. Sometimes sometimes we yell because we don't have the answer. Right, that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, taking the why and really explaining it. And I think that when you explain and take the time to, to answer the why, mm-hmm. that you'll save time in the long run. Right, right, right. And, and you think about it, hey, those individuals, you, you know, you're talking about high school kids, those individuals that's going to be coming in our Air Force and our Air National Guard, so we must get conditioned to be able to articulate the why behind it, and it has a greater impact on what they're doing and the way they serve and how they execute on the purpose of what they're doing. It's very important that they understand that, and they'll contribute more and be have more buy-in. Mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of times, hey, because um, as old individuals, we come up from a different generation, hey, just do. Mm-hmm. Don't ask questions, just do. You know, yeah, but now, hey, you got to explain the why behind it. And, it. and if you articulate it well, I think, hey, they will pursue uh, and be successful in doing a mission, uh, doing a job, or whatever task it may be. It don't have to be military, but whatever task it may be to get it down to that pack. That's very good. Yeah. It's also two ways. I think that we're always we're always going so fast. Right. Right. It's always it's it's always a race and never a marathon in the process, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think that that's that's as one. We always kind of slow down a bit. Right. It's it's going to get done. Right. Right. And I think that um, if we spend more time discussing those things, uh, there'll be less casualties. Right. Right. Yeah. uh, We got to, you know, uh, as I always say, we got to take calculated risk. So we we do the calculation on what we think the. solution to the problem is then we then we execute on it you know and, and one of the things i say hey if it's the wrong answer hey let's fail forward because we're learning when we're failing but if we're empowering at the lowest level mm-hmm. i think uh that's that's a learning point from the airmen and last once again that's when you allow them to do that do that make a decision that's still building that trust which builds credibility for that leader to say hey i'm empowering you to make a difference, to make a decision, to accelerate change. Those are things we got to keep in mind. Some of the tools that you use to build credibility, what are, what are some that you have in your own toolbox? I play Pokemon Go. Okay. I do. Go ahead and elaborate uh, on that, I, I, please. So here's the thing. So, uh, you know, um, I'm not a spring chicken, right? So I, I think I need to stay current. Right. So I think that um, you, when, you, when airmen see you doing that, you know, in a dining facility, they're like, hey, first of all, you play Pokemon. Yeah, I do. Right. What's your friend code? Right. Um, you know, and we have and I'm a gamer. Right. Uh, right. I'm a big advent uh, Lego collector. So I just I, I, I'm not afraid 
you know, to share that, that this is me, right? This is what you're going to get, you know? So I think that with that, um, airmen see that you, you're normal, right? And they're, and they're able to come to you and, and, and have conversations, you know? When it comes to business and stuff like that, I, I just do what needs to get done, you know? And, and, I, and I accept the risks. And if, um, if it is something that I know that I'm not going to be successful, I'm going to ask for help and be transparent that, um, hey, this is something new. Please note that this may not be the way or successful as you want it to be, but I'm going to try to get it done, you know, and let you know if I need help. Right, right. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, you hit it on again, hey, letting people know that you're human. One of the things I do always, uh, even with my staff, Team 13, as I call my staff, I involve them in the decision-making some in, in the things that I'm doing within, you know, for the entire enterprise. I approach it with them, and, hey, they give me feedback, and that gives them that ability to be a part of the big decision making because they bring up great points and give me different perspectives on things. I may look at it one way, you know, because my staff, they're, they're younger than me, so they have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've been out in the field, but I've been out in the field at a higher level. They have been within the organizations and they have a different perception in how they receive information and how information is presented mm-hmm. to them as as a person in the field so it's great to have that perspective and get that feedback so that's that's one thing that i do to help build that trust build that credibility because hey they know they got buy-in and we can sit down and discuss things Mm -hmm. so it's valuable opinion so i i started within our wing It, it was you know i had an epiphany i was at the gym one of one of the wing one of the airmen from the wing finance controller was at the gym right and and i didn't know that so we, um, I decided to spend, every drill I spend a couple hours or an hour or so with a section, just talking. Letting mm-hmm. the supervisors know I'm not there to be in their business, right? I just want to talk to the airmen, right? Uh, to build that credibility um, so that they know that they have a shirt that they can to, come to. So as I'm sitting with this, um, this airman, um, she goes, hey, shirt, you know, I saw you at the gym. I'm like, you did? Did you say Hi. She goes, no, I was just, you know, I see you there periodically. I'm like, dang. I said, I just, that's a missed opportunity, right? Right, right. You know, so um, what I do then is now is after I spend time with them doing our formations, I highlight them. They don't even know. So the key is, um, the challenging part for me is that I don't take notes, right? I really want to be engaged in what they're saying. It's kind of hard, right? Trying to memorize all the all the things that they do, right, right. you know, but that's, that is my commitment to them that, hey, I'm here to listen to your story. I usually don't tell them, now that the word is out, that I do this. But it, it definitely allows me to be a little bit engaged with them. Um, not so much on the military side of the house, but really care about what they're doing, right? Right. And, and if they need support, I'm here for them. So, yeah, it, it's worked out. I call them the, my diamond sharp of the month. And I highlight them in formation and stuff like that. It, uh, my last one was with our PA folks. Mm-hmm. All young senior airmen and A1Cs. They're a fun bunch. Right. Really enjoyed, man. And, I, and, you know, my takeaway with that is, again, um, when you talk about development, all they wanted to do, they said, sure, you know, we take pictures of our C-130s. We take people pictures of people going in the C-130. We have never been in a C-130. Right. I said, wow. Just the small things that we take for granted. Absolutely. Because we've been around a little while. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's but I'm able to take that information with our wing commander there and say, sir, this is what our airmen would like to do. And, and it works out great. They really, it's, a, it's a good time. And at that point, we build connections and 
we get to see what our airmen are doing besides their AFSC job. Yeah, and that's one thing, too, that, you know, like you say, you sit down and you listen. It's not business. It's just getting being personable mm-hmm. and showing that you care. I want to listen to, hey, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your family? Get to know you, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, that's what people care about. Hey, that, hey, you really do care about me mm-hmm. as an individual, not just about the uniform because it's the human factor. How has education played a role in your development? I was horrible in high school. Okay. I really, so really bad in high school. Again, I was an art major and I thought that that was the end all. All I want to do is paint and color. Um, so No, I feel you there because I love <laughs> art myself. So um, it took a long time to get my degree. I'm still a fine arts major. So I, I think with me at that time of my life that I was not successful in high school, what the military was offering from an educational standpoint, and I'm just not just talking about paying for my tuition, but again, all these professional development, ALS, NCOA, senior NCOA, I was pretty humbled to be able to go those in residence. I took the advantage of those. And all these other leadership courses that are there for us, right? Um, so they're sort of filling the gaps that I missed during high school. Not the developmental piece, but just as a person piece, right? So I try to take as much advantage of those because I think that, uh, one, I like to put stuff in my toolbox, right? I don't know when I'm going to use it, but I just knowing that I have it there and that I didn't miss an opportunity to attend something that's going to you know, help me and shape me um, later down, I do take advantage of those. I think that we don't, um, because of mission, we don't push those out as much as we should. If you take one piece of information from any professional development, then that's a win. You ever learn something that you thought had nothing to do with anything, whether it be in college or, or EPME, but then all of a sudden you've found yourself recanning that, that information in a totally unrelated setting. And you're like, wow, actually that came into play. Wow. So fun fact, right? So in ALS NCOA, I knew that I was an academic heavy. So I'll be the first one to draw the storyboards. That was my thing. <laughs> right. But I'll take care of this. Don't worry about it. And I remember the teacher came in and go, he was like, okay, nice storyboards. I hope you can still pass your tests, you know, cause back then we had to take, you right. know, you had to take the test, you know? Um, but that was my way of, um, showing contribution, right? right? I wasn't the, don't, don't ask me to review essays. It's not going to happen, right? I would look at it and go, hey, this looks great. And try to find if something's not intended. But that was my way of still trying to be relevant. Trying to contribute to the team. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because I knew I wasn't the smartest guy in the room. I, I, I just did the minimum to be successful. But I never took away the connections I've had and, and the people coming together to get everyone to a certain point. It feels like building group dynamics or something like that. Absolutely. I, you know, it, it, within residence, you know, if you, again, I, I keep on foot stomping this, if you struggle with um, the educational piece, in residence allows you to, I guess, break down your barriers, right? And really take the opportunity to build commodity and, and have that person that's, you know, a scholar and help you. And then in return, you're now learning stuff that you were not successful in high school, right? And they're, and they're helping you. Hey, by the way, you, you can do this a little bit this and now you have another skill set that you didn't think that you were going to get and in residence right yeah and, and you got to include that see when you know we we look and we talk about education we look as academics but it's about that experience that you had too because you're being educated based on the experience i own three courses within the, out of my office the command chief training course the chief master orientation course 
and the CNC enhancement course. Our job is not to deliver a product. Our job is to deliver an experience because mm-hmm. I want them to remember it the rest of their life and feed off of that even after they're gone. I had the opportunity to go to the senior and enhanced course recently, and it definitely answered a lot of the why, especially sitting in a room with a lot of seniors prior for sergeants. You know, there's a lot of times when we are dealing with processes or uh, we're not getting the answers. I think the course allows us to fill in those voids and gaps and, and really allows us to interact with uh, senior mass sergeants that have been in their careers for a long time. So I think um, to me it was it was beneficial. They, I built again connections and rapport with those airmen. And I think that if anyone has the opportunity, please take advantage of the course. I think it's a really good course. Yeah, and in doing that course, uh, we try to hit on credibility in itself of based on your position and based on the why and how you be credible and the course in itself. That's why we focus the course on the Air Force Foundational Conferences. After every brief, we give the why behind mm-hmm. the brief that builds that credibility. It's in, it, that's what we do, try to pick an environment mm-hmm. within there and you uh, be trustworthy of that circle of trust within your classmates. You really get to talking and have good conversations. Because my understanding, I had great conversations uh, during the course. And, you know, not just, hey, we don't talk about mission, but we talk about human being and the human factor, how to manage how manage your life mm-hmm. uh, and those type things to make you a better individual. Absolutely. It also gave me an opportunity to, um, not to put him on blast, but to educate a maintainer on the importance of a first sergeant, <laughs> right? If he's listening, he knows what I'm talking about, you know? Um, yeah, that just, and you know, you, you always wonder if you're in the right place at the right time. Right. And if anything. Sound like you were. Oh yeah, chief. You know, <laughs> if anything, I was there at the right time and we had good conversations, right? But the takeaway of that is that I think that we tend to forget this, that once we take this diamond off, we don't remove the senior NCO aspects. We're right. still senior NCOs, right? So you can mentor for a sergeant. Yeah. You know, please don't rob a first sergeant from an opportunity just because, you know, we're wearing a diamond. We are senior NCOs first and then right. a diamond, right? Because at the end of the day, um, this is a, a short tour for us. So if a diamond where is not successful, then we got to look at who's taking care of that diamond, who's mentoring that diamond. Right. And make sure that he or her are successful because it, it, it's, it, again, we're just given a foundation at the academy. This is OJT all the way. You know, oh yeah, because you know uh, the role of a first sergeant has changed, and I think that has changed the expectation, and that's why I ask you about being credible as a first sergeant. Because during my tenure, you know, I came in the Air Force in 1987, and back then, first sergeants were older gentlemen uh, that sit in there. There was there was not a tenure for a first sergeant, and they put them in there, and from that point, they retired out. So it was not a been utilized as a developmental position at that time. It was for older guys and a promotion opportunity for people to be in. So over the course of time, that has changed and the expectation has changed. And as I mentioned earlier about that triad and keeping that credibility there within a flight, a squadron, or a group of that triad or what the expectation is. So over time it's changed and I think it's it's going to continue to grow as we look at the continuum of training that the uh, academy is creating now to push out to the field that it will continue to grow. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think that um, 
Within our organization, we've had a lot of conversations about the triad, and I think that it's getting better, and actually a lot better than what it was, um, especially in my position with a new wing commander. Um, I, I wasn't forcing myself to have a seat at the table. I'll work with the high chair right, for a bit, right? With that being said, um, I have been able to still continue to develop a rapport with him, and then as well with the command chief, and being able to be part of a discussion, it's a win. Being part of that triad is not, okay, you're in today. Right. Yeah, you you got to build that credibility. And right. Poor. Right. And it's important. A lot of, you know, when you have conversations with first sergeants, well, I'm not including in the meetings, you know, so you, you got to start asking, well, why aren't you? Are, are you knocking on the door? Say, hey, what are we talking about? Are you just sitting in your office hoping to be invited? Knock on the door. Don't wait mm-hmm. from the, hey, open the door. Hey, hey, you coming in? Mm-hmm. Nah, go knock on the door. You know, hey, sit at the table till they push you out of the way. But that's where that support should come in from those other two individuals, too, to make sure you got a seat at the table. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And uh, you've given us some examples, Senior, about how much you care about your airmen. Why don't you tell us about some of the effects you've seen firsthand about your willingness to care about their well-being? Wow. Okay. So this is the one that I, you know, take to heart. So actually right as I was giving the opportunity to go on a professional development tour up in headquarters, we're working a project where we take our airmen to TEC for a professional development opportunity. They Mm -hmm. go there for a week. Um, Curriculum is based, uh, is set and so forth. So as I started a couple of weeks, maybe a weekend, things changed drastically. We ran out of money. It's supposed to be a joint thing. I ran out of money and unfortunately the army could not attend with us. So we had to switch gears really quickly. Um, And that's when we reached out to TEC for support. Me and the chief took this and ran with it. So essentially we took roughly around 60 airmen, got them to TEC, got flight arrangements and all that stuff in about under 30 days. So it, it was pretty, pretty quickly. But once the airmen got there and the return investment when they came home was well worth the sleepless nights because we could still continue to develop those first four. We asked those questions when they came back. Hey, how was it? Oh, it was great. You know, okay, granted, you're telling me what I want to hear. What can, how can we make this better? You know, so our current uh, state command chief has really taken this to a whole new level where we're asking those questions. How can we develop this? You know, because of the positive response that we've gotten from our airmen, you know. So things like that, um, this trip could have easily been canceled. A missed opportunity for our airmen. You know, so there was a lot of individuals that played a hand in this that made this happen. To me, stuff like that as a team fills my heart, man. I just, you know, and then to be able to have the opportunity again to make it happen and make it better and take those feedbacks of the goods and the bads, I'm super stoked with that. Yeah, and, and uh, the state of Nevada has been doing that for the last couple of years, going up to Knoxville, up at McGee Tyson, to the Training Education Center and University, as they call it now, to have that professional development, have a whole schedule lined up and uh, have those professionals there that are instructors mm-hmm. to provide that professional development. One way that you know, your state is leading the way on that, uh, I think it's doing doing well, it's a good program to have as y'all continue to build your professional development. Thank you, Chief Master Sergeant Williams and Senior Master Sergeant Sosa. Education, training, and experience are major keys to being successful in the Air National Guard. They are tools to help us lead our airmen to be successful and to be the leaders of the next generation. Be sure to follow the Air National Guard on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And for more of Team 13, follow the director of the Air National Guard on Facebook. Join us again next month on 13 Ways to Lead, 
where we will be talking to Chief Master Sergeant Timothy White, the Air Force Reserve Command Chief on leading by upholding standards. From all of us here at the Air National Guard Podcast Network, have a great Air National Guard day. Team 13, out. 13 Ways to Lead is produced by Major Amber Schatz. Our editor and sound mixer is Master Sergeant Brandy Fowler. This episode was recorded at the Secretary of the Air Force Public Affairs Studio in the Pentagon. <laughs>